I'm Andy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 17, Common Reading Challenges. Today we're talking about common reading challenges. We know that's a hot topic out there, and so we wanted to address some of the really common frustrations and then share our own experiences in teaching um, reading literacy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, discussion about it on the Facebook groups, for sure. Yes, very loud out there. So we just thought we'd take some of those really common challenges and talk through them. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun. All right. So uh, we're going to get right to our scoops and Mandy's got a great one. to. Start yeah, I with. do. Um, so the American Girl catalog came today. We subscribe because we're yes. avid fans. We have like yes. eight or nine American girls in our house and they announced the new American Girl doll, Girl of the Year, Courtney, but she's from the 80s. <laughs> Pretty epic. Yeah, so she's wearing lip smacker around her neck. She's got the jean skirt, the cardigan, the scrunchie. And then you gotta see this one. So if you're watching the YouTube, you will see this. If you are not watching the YouTube and just listening, she is wearing Care Bears pajamas. It's one of the long sleeve night shirts, night gowns is what we used to call them. The Care Bears nightgown. Yeah, did you do the Care Bear stare? Oh yeah. So yeah, and then it has even a little Care Bear. And they have a boom box, and it's just super cute. And like the fold over jeans and the 80s lunchbox that's like back to the future outfit. Oh, totally, totally back to the future. (laughs) So, yeah, that just um, actually, this should have been in my joy. Yes, this totally brought me joy today. I was just like, give me that. (laughs) I want this. Anyway, so that's my scoop. Nice. Uh, my scoop is that at my house, football is back. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so um, it's been really fun to watch my little guy, who's two and a half, uh, be super excited about football. Ooh, how fun. Yep. So now um, Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays, and sometimes the days in between to catch up on games that we did not see live, um, are now all about football. Wow. Well, it's yeah. playoffs for baseball right now. Right. I heard. Yeah. So that's why football is not as prominent in our house right now, but uh, it will yes. be. It yes, will be. it will be. Yeah, because your your spouse also does college. Yeah, yeah. He's a big college football fan. Oh as well. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So so mine's all NFL, and so that's been very interesting. And uh, watching my son run around, his new favorite thing is to do his like a uh, quarterback pose. He like touches the ground, and oh, that's so yeah, cute. That should really be cute. your joy. Yeah, well, so cute. It's kind of my scoop because that's taken over my life. Yeah. Are they all wearing masks while they play football? No, not the players. Yeah. But on the sidelines, they oh, are. They are. Yeah. yeah. So I was making the observation to my husband that I think some of the coaches actually like it because normally they're busy covering their mouths with their clipboards oh. while they're talking into their headset or yelling at people, you know, so that nobody's reading their lips. Yeah. So now um, it's just a new trend. Yeah. Do they have, like, the themed sport? um, It just depends on who you're looking at. Yeah, some of them have their team gear. Some of them have their, you know, surgeon's masks. Yeah. Just depends. Some of them have the cowls, you know, whatever. The surgeon masks. Uh You see the the variety there for sure. But it's really hard to get used to watching the announcers talk with their masks on, like when they're talking to people. Because you're not, you can't tell who's talking. Oh, that's funny. I would think they'd be muffled a little bit. They are. Oh. Yeah, and then you can't tell who's talking. And so I'm like... 
<laughs> Who's saying that? That's so funny. But that's just let's me. move on. Yes. Let's move on. Yeah, let's get into reading. Okay. Um, so I wanted to start by just saying that, um, you know, everything that we're sharing is just kind of the lens of our own experience. Um, I think we are both real natural researchers. And so we did a lot of the research to um, find our own comfort zone and convictions when it comes to reading. So that was something I just wanted to share right out the gate was just that, you know, a lot of this is our own experience, but we wanted to share the research that we've done with you um, to help you said this best, release you from pressure of convention. So, you know, there's lots of ways that things can be different and that doesn't make them good, bad, or otherwise. Um, but it's just nice to hear from other people's perspective and to not feel so much um, pressure and anxiety about things. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. We have a whole episode about overwhelm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So if you do need an episode about overwhelm, go check out episode one. Yeah. Of our podcast. Just being overwhelmed in homeschooling in general. Yes, and you about touch on things. reading. I do, yeah. But I just touch on just getting started yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. But this one. one is going to be specifically reading challenges that we've been hearing about and that we wanted to tackle and address. So one of the big questions that we've seen on Facebook, whether it's from our friends or from other people in our Facebook groups, was my four year old won't sit still for 30 minutes to practice letters or sight words and you know that could be interchanged with seven-year-old or whatever you know and um one of my first reactions is always that's okay yeah that's normal it's normal that kids don't necessarily want to sit there and receive formal instruction sometimes right right you know and so then what does that tell us when our kids are feeling reluctant to something or even sometimes you know downright um, opposed to it. Right. What does that tell us? You know, that tells us that there's something going on, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just being defiant. Sure. You know, but then I think there's a lot of other things that play into it. And so my question would be, why are you forcing it? Why are you forcing reading right now or these 30 minute lessons? You know, what is so important to you that you're doing it this way? Um, and then a lot of people, you know, they, they go, well, there's lots of information about early literacy. And so then that usually leads me to say, well, let's talk about early literacy then. Right. Because there are lots of things out there to support that early literacy can be great. But there's lots that also say early literacy does not have a track record for proven success um, later in life. You know, it's it all normalizes at some point. Right. I mean, when you go into a, a job... Um, uh, interview. They're not going to say what what year did you learn to read, or what right. year did, were you potty trained, or what year did you ride a bike. Right. And so, um, but when you're in it and you have a four year old and you are seeing other people and their kids are no sight words and they can read books and right. oh, this four year old's reading a chapter book. You you feel that you feel like oh well, my kid's not. I got to get down to business. Right. Exactly. So there's a lot of pressure to achieve early reading. So the research suggests that early literacy is not indicative of future academic success. So one of the things that I found was um, a study by Daphnia Basic and her colleagues at University of Virginia who discovered that in 1998, 31% of teachers believed children should learn to read by age five in kindergarten. In 2010, that number was 80%. So in the year 2010, 80% of educators and teachers believed that children should learn to read in kindergarten. Well, that's because of the institution that they're in, probably. Exactly. 
So, right. and in 98, maybe they had more freedom um, for different levels right. of, a, of development, where now everything is so streamlined right. that the standardized has, tests have yeah. just increased like crazy, you know, yeah. like all of these things and, and having to stick to state standards, whether you're in a charter school or you're with um, the traditional public school, that puts a lot of pressure on reading. And so what it's done is it's forced the early literacy rate age down to five years old. Yeah. And then you still have the judgment of others right. too. Oh, your child's not reading. They must have a learning disability. Right. And instead of just, oh, they might just be good at other things right now and right. not interested in reading. Right. So part of that is what is called the third grade theory. Mm. And so Carrie McDonald in her book, Unschooled, talks about that. And she says that at the completion of third grade, or roughly ages eight or nine, children are expected to be reading proficiently. The reason that third grade is such a critical year for literacy is that it signals a curriculum shift from learning to read to reading to learn. It's all about the content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the curriculum changes by fourth grade, leaving non-readers at a disadvantage because now they have to read in order to learn anything. Right. And when you're in an institution that requires all 20 kids. Right to do the same thing, you you can't pocket some over here no. and give them the freedom developmentally right. So to yeah. explore in the way that would be more natural to them. Exactly. And so what this indicates is that it's a schooling problem, not necessarily a reading problem. It's not that kids are incapable of reading at younger ages or, you know, that these kids have learning disabilities necessarily. Um, and it's certainly not a child problem. Okay. So I was just want to give an example that yeah. I actually saw on Facebook, a, a mom who's not passionate about homeschooling at all. Her kid has always been in traditional school and she posted on there that her daughter for years, um, hated reading and because of COVID she right. came home. Right. And so being at home, the mom learns something that the daughter didn't, never even thought to tell her previously, that because her daughter, years past, wanted to read books of a different content, a lower level content, quote right. unquote, um, or lower level of reading, she was put in what her daughter called the dumb kids reading group. And so that shamed her. Right. And now she wanted nothing to do with reading. So whether or not she was reading at a higher level or lower level is not the issue here. It's right. the issue that she figured out the kids know when there's different reading levels. Right. And they know when they've been, you know, labeled quote unquote dumb. Exactly. And so, and the mom was like, I am so glad that COVID brought her home. Yes. And she got to learn this and see that right. now she's like, and now I'm keeping my daughter home. Yeah. I'm not sending her back because oh. now I see her actually starting to pick up books she wants to read without being right. worried what level it is. Right. What that implies about her. Right. 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 Like her achievement is, yeah, concurrent and think with of how the she chooses. If she had stayed in that type of um, mind frame throughout right. her school career, what, how that would have affected all the other subjects that you had need to read for content. Right. It would affect all of the choices that she makes, you know, when she's announcing anything to anyone. Because she said she liked a book, she yeah. got put in a different reading group right. than her, her reading level. Right. It was, yeah, it was astounding. Right. And then the natural competitiveness in children, she knew that that wasn't the top level or even, right. you know? Yeah. Ugh, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So, um, more evidence here. 
Um, in the book, Rethinking Learning to Read, Harriet Pattison found that the average age of reading is eight. So that's just the average, which makes it a bell curve, you know? So mm-hmm. there's definitely yeah. going to be kids who learn to read at four. Right. The average is up here. So the bulk of the children are going to learn sometime around eight. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other end where some kids aren't going to become proficient readers until they're 10 or 11. Right. Yeah. And then there's the extremes, you know? Yeah. And then, so with that in mind, as you mentioned earlier, that can release you. Like if your kid does not know how to read at age four, five, six, or seven, it doesn't mean they're never going to learn to read. It doesn't even mean that, that they're, they won't be really good at reading. It's just not their time. Right. Most of the time. Right. And so this next uh, bit of research is definitely more geared towards reading instruction and more the school model. Um, But education professor Nancy Carlson Page warns of the hazards of early reading instruction in her report, Reading in Kindergarten, Little to Gain and Much to Lose. When children have educational experiences that are not geared to their developmental level or in tune with their learning needs and cultures, it can cause them great harm, including feelings of inadequacy, anxiety, and confusion. Yeah, so in talking about inadequacy, Right. I mean, even just something with drawing, I'm going to give an example of my youngest when she was like age four and five, we would go to Disneyland animation studios. They yes. do a, a lesson about, um, and you, you can do a, how to draw whoever it is, Donald duck. And, right. and, and this one particular one was Olaf. And so you sit there and you follow the artist and none of ours look like the artist, except maybe my dad's. Right. He's like really good at all things like that. And I go to take a picture of my kids and my dad and my youngest, she has crumpled hers up and looks down. And I was like, no, open it back up. She opens it back up, but her face is just in tears looking down and she feels inadequate in that. Now, can you imagine if I then tried to do that every day? Right. Now I know, okay, I'm not going to have her do that. Right. She wasn't ready for that. Yeah. But... But my other kids don't care. Right. So, um, did I just spit on you? No. <laughs> Where's my mask? <laughs> so, the, the other kids um, don't experience that. They love it. Right. So, we can go over and over and over again. So, right. you know, um, but if she was in a different kind of setting, I would have to continue to have her do that lesson. because. Right. But she has that personality where inadequacy comes very quick for her, apparently. Right. So. Right. Because she's a perfectionist. Exactly. About that. So Nancy Carlson Page is an advocate of developmentally age-appropriate reading instruction. So that is at odds with the standard approach to reading instruction at the public schools. So if, if people want to formally instruct their kids, then here's an alternative method. Absolutely. Instruct them in reading, find those great, wonderful curriculums mm-hmm. that you love, but just remember that developmentally it should be age appropriate. And what's age appropriate for one child might be different than another child. Yeah, we might want to just call it child appropriate. Your, your exactly. unique child appropriate. Right. I think yeah. that's the best part about homeschooling is that's what we would label it. You mm-hmm. know, you find the best fit for your child. So child number one might do this at five years old, and child number two might not do it until they're eight. Right. And, and that's we, okay. We can't go around buying a different curriculum, at least for me, for each child. Like, so I need to make the one that I bought work. Right. 
but I can wait, right? I can come at it through another way. I can, um, the other day we were, I tried five words with her because that's what the other kids did. Right. She's in tears by the end. And I was like, oh, all right. I thought she she already could read cat and and. So I thought those were easy words for her. So then the next time it was two words and fine. She was fine. So then I was like, okay, two words. Two's our limit right now. So that's fine. We'll do two words whenever we feel like sitting down to do it. Right. So, um, you, you can adjust your curriculum. Exactly. In that way. Right. If you're, if you're, and I don't even see myself being stuck with my curriculum because I love it. Right. And I believe in it, but, um, but I can adjust it. Right. And that's a little bit different than what I did because, um, my firstborn, we started a curriculum in TK and it was not good. She did not want to sound out words. She did not want to look at sight words. She did not care about letter sounds. And I was like, what's happening? Like, I thought this is what we're supposed to do. And then I took a deep breath. I did my research and I was like, okay, well then maybe I find a different curriculum. Maybe this curriculum just isn't the right one. So then I did the hop and tried a different curriculum approach. And then it was met with the same reluctance and disinterest and opposition. And I was like, all right. So let's dive even deeper. And then that's when I came to understand that there's age or developmentally age appropriate reading instruction and that maybe she just wasn't ready. Yeah. She's this really intelligent kid capable of so much, but that doesn't mean that everything is going to be exactly. advanced, yeah. you know? And so reading just wasn't, it wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, she had this really strong interest in spelling. She always wanted me to, um, tell her what something said. She'd spell out stuff to me. So she had great letter recognition and sounds, but she just didn't want to put them together. Mm -hmm. And so she would just ask me, what does J-I-M-B-O-S, our favorite grocery store, what does that spell? Jimbo's, you know? And so then I realized she just really wanted to do the letters and write them. So then I finally found um, a spelling curriculum and um, that was kind of our our way in um, because at the time I felt like I still wanted to be helping. I felt this yeah. strong compulsion to be guiding her and instructing her. Well, and that, whatever you did give her, gave her the foundation. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then, um, I really started to learn about natural literacy, you know, and I have shared that I came to the unschooling approach when she was in preschool. Mm-hmm. And so then that was kind of my whole mindset. I was like, wait a minute. I kind of like this stuff. And, you know, when you hear that kids could spontaneously read, it's so shocking at first. You know, I think my my traditionally schooled brain is like, no, they can't. You have to be taught your letters. Yeah. You know, and so it's such a different thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And yes, they need to be shown the code or, you know, how to decode it, but it doesn't need to be by formal instruction. Right, right. You know, and that's the point of this. Well, it can be when you're, I remember just going to Costco and we would look yeah. at like, what is it? Cold foods or frozen foods. Right. And you can, once they know the sounds, I was like, Oh, who, who can figure out what that says? Exactly. And they're like, Oh, I can, I can. Right. And it was like, Costco was our reading lesson for that day. Exactly. And they didn't even know it. It seemed right. like a fun, fun, uh, experience to them. Exactly. So and let's share a little bit more about developmentally age appropriate reading instruction. Waldorf education uses this in their teaching methods. So in First grade is the first time that students are introduced to letters and um, letter sounds, and they're introduced 
introduced to them through story, song, movement, play, um, artwork. You know, they're not sitting there reading flashcards or tracing mm-hmm. papers. They're doing it through interactive activities as a group. At, in first grade, in too. First not, grade. not preschool, right. but all the way in first, first grade, grade where the average age is six and seven mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then formal reading instruction begins in second grade when students are seven or eight years old so they have already chosen to model it based on the average reading age of eight years old um, in 2012 an academic study um, collected data of children in New Zealand one group attended conventional state schools beginning formal reading instruction at age five The second attended Waldorf schools, where formal instruction began at age seven. Researchers controlled for variables, including children's existing vocabulary skills, socioeconomic status, the literacy environment of the children's home, and more. Which is crazy. Yeah, I don't know how you would control for all that. I don't know, but it's amazing. So I can cite that source for you. Amazing scientists. Exactly. (laughs) So they were able to control for all of those factors. And they found that the early reading group showed higher initial reading skills than the later reading group. But this reading differential was gone by age 11. In fact, the researchers found the later reading group actually had higher reading comprehension skills at the end of their primary school education than the early reading group. Yeah, I wonder if it's because all that pre-reading activities that they're probably doing, Right, I'm just guessing, you know, um, the pre-reading that they're doing, the more they're probably getting more read-alouds, right? hearing bigger words versus just being given a book saying, okay, now read. Exactly. You know, they're, they're getting more interaction. Right. And so it makes me wonder if that played a big part in Right. They're more in immersed in literacy versus being instructed. instructed. Yeah. And so then that leads to natural literacy. And this is where spontaneous reading comes in. And so for those who aren't feeling like a formal curriculum is the right approach or instruction is the right approach, we have natural literacy. And so Professor Jane Torrey discovered that children could learn to read spontaneously. Dr. Torrey states, reading is learned, not taught. This one was profound for me when I read this. Not taught? Yeah. Um, The key for learning to read may be the child's asking the right questions of his environment. Hmm. The findings, yeah, makes one think, right? (laughs) The findings on the history of early readers might be summarized by saying that they were not taught to read. They just learned in an environment that contained enough stimulation and material. And so that goes back to the same idea. At five years old, being surrounded by certain things might be enough for one kid, but Mm -hmm. another kid with those same things, it's not stimulating. Mm -hmm. It's not enough for them to want to go and explore the world around them. Right. You know, and so it's just saying that, yes, sure, early readers, they might have been stimulated by the right Well, I mean, I'm just going to do an analogy to sports. So in baseball, um, my husband, time and time again, since he's been a little league coach, season after season after season, he said, he would say, just because a kid is really good at baseball at age five, six, and seven, right. it doesn't translate no. over. Yeah. It's a toilet. You, it might. Sure. But, but that, that's not an indicator, like a key indicator. It could right. be that someone blooms once yeah. they even hit puberty. Right. So I just thought that was really interesting. Like just cause that person has always hits the ball when they're six, doesn't mean they're always going to hit the ball when they're nine. Exactly. So, um, 
Yeah, and yeah. sports are what I understand. Probably more than academics. <laughs> Give me that sports analogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and so ultimately, my daughter, while we did incorporate some of the spelling, you know, we'd spend maybe 10 minutes, three days a week mm-hmm. doing a few spelling words at a time from the age she was five. I don't think we got done with our primer until she was probably in first grade, mm-hmm. you know. So we took our time going through it as it felt natural to her. And... Um, we entered first grade at a pre-reading level Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I had already taken away all of that, you know, stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. of being concerned about when she read. You were released. Yes. I was released from it. I felt convicted that she would read when she was ready because she was smart. Mm -hmm. I knew she got it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that she wasn't capable of the the work or the material. She just needed to do it in her own time. And right. I don't really know how else to describe that, but I feel like you know it when you see it. Yeah. And that was it for her. You know, it wasn't just her being obstinate about not doing it the way I had been asking her to at five mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. It was just she she didn't see it the right way yet. Yeah. She right. hadn't come to it yet. Yeah. Her brain had to change in a way that could... Yeah. yeah. She had to want to do it. Right. Yeah. And so it was... I mean... You know, Jake and I, my husband, Jake and I will sometimes talk about, like, how did she learn to read? Like, how did she go from not reading to reading? And, you know, I'm always sitting there going, uh, well, we, we worked on spelling words sometimes. But see, that's how I feel, right. like, with my curriculum as well. And maybe it's just the phonic way. Right. Because I remember I would do a couple words, five words a day with my eldest. And then within a month or two, he was picking up books and reading them. Right. And I was like, oh. Oh, this works. Right. Like all I did was teach you sounds and some rules of what the E does. Right. And, and like five, 10 minutes a day doing some words and it's handled. The magic of spontaneous reading is just, it's incredible to watch because she went from pre-reading in first grade to all of a sudden reading like third grade level by the end of the year within that's just within a few months of the testing points. And I mean, it was just really cool. And so her being immersed in literacy all around reading aloud, reading books, you know, audio books all the time Mm -hmm. and just her own kind of exploration of books on her own because we had no shortage of books in the house. Right. And she'd go through them and she had them memorized. You know, there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of combinations of things and just all of that Immersion is mm-hmm. what leads to spontaneous yeah. reading. And I think you do still have to look at like the multiple intelligences as well. And um, if they're not a linguistic, if they don't have that, th- then there might be more that you have to do. I don't exactly. know. But, and there might be more research you need to do. But when, but my son, he's more of a math minded person. Right. He's never really interested in reading, just barely here and there. And literally, it, it just happened. And all of a sudden, he was reading. I was like, I didn't do anything. Right. I mean, I did, but right. I didn't feel like it was the effort that I'm hearing right. everybody else do. But with him, yeah. I waited till he was six. Right. Or seven. No, six. To even yeah. begin Yeah, to do that. Yeah. yeah. So, to do the words. Yeah. To do the words, yeah. It's wild. So, let's... Suppose that unschooling and natural literacy on its own is not your thing, right? And that maybe you're concerned because you still really value formal reading instruction. And that's great. Well, and I do too. Absolutely. I I think that there can absolutely be a blend of the two. It's not always one or the other. Right. It's a matter of 
what we've already said, the observing your child, right. trial and error, and just being willing to change and compromise. Right. Yeah. And so if you do prefer formal reading instruction, I would highly suggest really doing your research about developmentally age-appropriate instruction so that you can really take away some of that anxiety about uh, achievement. It doesn't need to be accomplished at any given time necessarily. So that would be my one big yeah. suggestion if I had one is just make it age appropriate. If your child's not ready yet, don't think it's don't think of it as something they are incapable of doing. Right. Just think of it as something they aren't ready for right now. Right. And there's probably other things you're working on that they're excelling at. Yes. So lean into that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you want formal instruction, but your child isn't wanting to sit there and do that for 30 minutes, what do you do? Um, are there better ways to teach reading concepts? You know, like we already discussed giving up curriculums and trying different ones and finding the one that fits. But um, we have talked about sight words, and I know you have some stuff to share about sight words. Yeah, well, so what I have read in the research and what I've learned at my trainings for teaching my own phonic, not my own phonics. Right, right. But, but the, the curriculum, the curriculum that use, I use yeah. that is phonics um, is that sight words is just memorizing. Mm-hmm. It's not actually reading. And how great that you're developing a memorization skill. Sure. That's its own thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but that's not reading. Right. And then, um, you know, going along with sight words is like cueing, like showing a picture and the word. So now they're memorizing the word based upon the picture they see. Right. And that's not reading either. It's still a neat thing. My kids memorized all of Elephant and Piggy books and felt success and felt good as they right. went through. That's because we read it a lot to them and yeah. they had it memorized and right. that's totally fine. Yep. You know, like that wasn't part of their schooling when I would do that. So, um, sight, sight words has been now shown time and time again over like, I think it's at least a decade of research now that sight words is not reading and right. kids are not excelling at reading. It's actually hindering them. Right. Because you're spending so much time on that. Yeah. yeah. So, and not that I've looked at the entire gamut of research, right. But, um, there's, um, a lot to be said about phonics. Sure. Yeah. So, and you kind of miss a lot of phonics when you do sight words. Exactly. It's kind of like a shortcut. Right. So, yeah. And so phonics has definitely been a mainstay in reading education and instruction for Decades, probably centuries, yeah. actually. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and here's what's interesting for those who aren't in the educational world. Um, when I was first teaching in a traditional school environment, and I was teaching English, right. And I remember talking. Oh, I'm going to have my kids diagram sentences. And I was talking with a seasoned teacher. I'm 22. And I've just gone to a conference and I'm so excited to teach diagramming because I'm math minded. It works with my math mind. Right. And I still have my kids do that now. But, um, but I'm, and I'm telling the seasoned teacher and she goes, oh, okay. So that's the way the pendulum's swinging now. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Oh. condescending at all. Yeah. Even though I was getting a master's of education. Right. I had gone to conferences. I am teaching English. Right. I did not realize there was a pendulum. Right. And so, and that's something for people to know that the pendulum is swinging based upon politics, based upon testing. And so it's really important to get out there. And that's why you've been saying, Jesse, like, do your own research. Right. Like, 
Find your conviction. Just, just know from from us talking that, wow, there's a gamut. Like for phonics, I was looking up, there's like four or five ways you can teach phonics. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you can research that if that's right. an area that interests you. Right. And the way I found my curriculum was a friend of mine who was a seasoned teacher, homeschooled six kids, worked as an elementary school teacher as well, recommended this curriculum right. and went on about it for like a year of how excited she was about it and yeah. became a trainer for it. So wow. I had her train me on it. And, um, cause I saw how excited she was about it, how it revolutionized her right. traditional school. It had to, they so had cool. to change how they did everything because yeah. of it. And, um, and so I was like, sold. Right. Done. Done. So I didn't have to do as much research, right. but if your child is struggling or if you're frustrated or your kid really wants to learn, but can't learn, or your kid doesn't want to learn, but right. you know, there's something out there. They might just, just do the work. Right. Ask. Yeah. Ask oh yeah. Facebook. Ask around. Ask Facebook groups. Right. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Ask other homeschool moms. You're going to find one who's gone through something very similar to you. Yeah. That's why we're sharing our stories because maybe something that we're saying resonates with you yeah. and maybe not. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. So yeah, just that's, that's also why I love listening to podcasts in general because right. I'm, I'm about homeschooling and things. Cause I'm hearing things that I didn't even know that I could know about. Right. We, uh, something we, we have said before is we like to live in our own echo chambers. Yeah. So we like researching things that reaffirm what we already believe and what we already know or what we want. And so then it's hard sometimes to listen to other things, but it really is so important because your kids aren't you. Right. Yeah, definitely. They're just not. And so, you know, I, I think that's been one of the biggest revelations is, of being a parent is just that I have no ability to predict everything that my kids are going to need or do or want, you know, or the ways that they're going to learn things Yeah, that's beyond my control. Totally. You know, I can't control it. And I do believe that as, uh, I do believe that education should be customized. Yeah. And because of that, I need to be observant enough to be able to see what isn't, isn't working. Right. I shouldn't be so stuck on what I think is right. Right. When it's not working. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. And then it's funny because we both naturally went the spelling route when it came to yeah, reading. Yeah. And um, that was before we were really close enough friends to even be yeah, discussing. We wouldn't have even yeah. influenced each other. No, yeah. not at all. And so I didn't have as much thought into mine. I had just known that I had given up on reading curriculums and decided to try just spelling. Yeah. And, um, the spelling you see went naturally with the math curriculum. I yeah, had been totally, you know, had people rave about to me. So I was like, Oh, well that's easy. Same publisher. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worked for Once us. Once you trust a publisher too, then yeah. it's easier to find the other subjects as well. And that, right. that can be a tool for people as well. Like totally. if you really like something that they're doing and that's how I found our Latin yeah. because I really liked well-ordered language I saw that they offered Latin. I was like, oh, good. So I'll do well-ordered language first. Right. That will prep us to be able to do Latin. Yep. So, and the Latin's really fun. That's awesome. It's got a, it's got a, songs and everything too. Just exactly. like the well-ordered language. Imagine that. Yeah. 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 So make it fun and they will learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we talked about having them sound it out. So, and we were just saying the Waldorf style. Yeah. Make it fun. Yeah. You know, um, Sophia was singing... Um, the alphabet song using the letter sounds oh, fun. when she was three as part of our music program. So it wasn't even something I sought out, but we were saying, ah, buh, yeah. and I can't even tell you how hard it was for my brain to be able yeah, to totally. do that. I was like, what? Yeah, it's such a switch. Well, and yeah. my curriculum says, don't even teach them the right. alphabet. Right. Because 
they don't need to know what a B is. They need to know that when they look at that B, that it's a B. Right. And so to get to ha- teach them the name first, that's a barrier to the sound. Right. So teach them the sound first, and then teach them the letter after they know the right. sound. So then you can still say, oh, it needs a B because it says B. But originally, they just know it as B. It's so crazy. And it's almost impossible because right. to avoid. Cause yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But. Um, but I made sure I never sang the alphabet song to my right. kids. That's which awesome. is so weird. Which I have to say, I don't think my little guy has ever heard it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's funny. So, but, but, you know, that's totally unconventional. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. That? Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun that we got to blend the two. So then, you yeah, know, we were singing this ad book. Yeah. That's really but, cute. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, you know, and then even my two, two and a half year old is totally immersed in, um, literacy. It's everywhere in our house oh, yeah. because my daughter's practicing our cursive. So it's all up on our giant whiteboard all the time, you know, or he'll see a letter and he'll go, Oh, Hey, Augie. Yeah, and he already so knows a Augie because yeah. he wanted to point to different letters, and we had magnet letters, and he'd put one up, and then I would just tell him what it was. Yeah, and I would identify it in relationship to people he knows because he's a relationship guy. You know, for my for my daughter, that's it always cute. had to be animals. Yeah, because she didn't care about people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell her that that's so and so's name. <laughs> tell her that's C for cat. You know, yeah, or whatever yeah. it was, and you know, but he wants people, and so he can identify a letter whether it's in the middle of a word on a street sign, and he'll say, you know, uh, D Dada. Well, and that's the customization approach, right? Right. right. Yeah, I'm not and sitting down, spending intentional time doing right. it. It's just a part of our everyday interactions. And when he's over it, I'm, I, you know, I'm not asking him to come sit here. Mm-hmm. He asked me. Yeah, like when my kids come to me, and especially now this the six year old, right. she comes to me and says, "I want to write this word." I'm like, "Ooh, let's use our sounds. Let's right. see if you can figure this out." And then she's doing exactly what my curriculum would have us do, right? But in something she wants to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so that was my kid. I know we were we were talking about this yeah. before, but my my oldest has always been that way, and so I've been seeing a lot of similarities. So now the fun part I was saying will be to see what the outcome is when your youngest is a proficient reader. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun to really see how that has changed her writing and her right. spelling and yeah. her just entire approach to literacy. Yeah. Um, and see if that still sort of seems similar at all to my daughter. Yeah. But no, that'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Um. But um, uh, use sensory ideas for exploring letters and literacy. Oh, well, I mean, the sensory bins, like we used to even put paint. This was from homegrown preschool, I think. Um, But we would put paint in Ziploc bags, and they had fun drawing on it. Exactly. So then I'd be like, oh, let's do an A-A-Ah. Right. And then they would do an A-A-Ah, you know, in cursive with their finger. Exactly. They had so much fun seeing the paint move around, you know, and... That didn't feel right. like school to them. That no. felt like a, a fun craft. Right. And sensory bins not your thing? Go to the beach. Yeah. Draw on the sand. Yeah, totally. You know? Well, Set up and, the leaves. Stamp rocks. And it's just funny, like, people who need their kids to sit down. Right. When do when do they sit down? When they eat. That's true. When yeah. they eat. So what I did was I always utilized when my kids ate. Yeah. That is when we sat down. So while they're eating, that's when I'm doing, that's when I did Bible and that's when I did other things. And then I would have something set up for right after at the table. Right. And then right after they're done eating, I cleared off. They're like, oh, with right. you know, we can do this. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I don't have to call them to the table. They came anyways right. to eat. Right. So just figuring out things like that, you know, letting them, um, letting them pick, you know, a snack that they want, a candle that they want, music that they want, giving them some choice, you know. Right. 
So that was just one, that was just the response to one common reading yeah, challenge yeah, that we right, hear. Right. But don't worry, we only have one more. Yeah. <laughs> so this next one is another really big one. It's my child doesn't like reading. So this is less about instruction maybe and more just they don't want to read. Yeah. And in common common practice for traditional schools, they assign 15 pages a day or 15 minutes right. a day right. or a book, whatever it a is. A specific yeah. book, yeah. you know, beyond exactly. just timed reading. Yeah. yeah. And so that is what's convention. That's what people are used to, that their kids need to read every day. Right. Right. And so... My first initial reaction to that is, well, why don't they like reading? Mm. You need to really dig deep and identify. Who knew that your friends or the person on Facebook that her daughter didn't like it because she felt like she had been dumbed down because she chose the wrong book one day? Right. Yeah. You know, who... Exactly. It might be really difficult to actually narrow down the true why, but I think it's really important to find out the why. Well, I know from my son... So, and we'll get into this more later, but when he stopped reading Boxcar Children, I was like, why are you not reading Boxcar Children anymore? What happened? Because he read, right. you know, 10 or 11 of right. them, like within Voracious. Yeah. yeah. And he said, it makes me scared at night. But that's the only time he really wanted to read. Right. So then I was like, oh, he needs a different series. Right. It's not that he doesn't want to read. It's just nothing appealed right. to him. And then it took one or two years to find another series. <laughs> And that's but then Dire yeah. Webby Kid came our way, and he read all the books and couldn't right. wait for the next one. And right. and he has other interests totally. and other things that yeah. he was completely immersed in and felt totally fulfilled by. Yeah, not every kid is a storyteller, you know. Yeah, and like I that's the multiple important. intelligences, right. right? Like, and just their interests in general, you know. And right. And so you felt you wanted it to encourage him to read because, of course, we know that there's so much value in reading. Right. But you also, you didn't feel anxiety over no, it. No. I just, yeah. I, I, I just know there's so much joy that can right. be had from you it. Kept searching. Yeah. yeah. And I know, too, it in- increases. So we found other solutions to that, but um, yeah. we'll get to that yeah, in a yeah, second. Yeah. So, um, you know, then you have to ask, you know, are they developmentally ready to be reading? Because if the answer is yes, then, you know, if you're using formal instruction, maybe you need to try letting them make some choices. So if you really do want them to be sitting down for instructional time, regardless of the age, then maybe they need to have some input into the how or the when or the where. I know you had some some different ideas for this. I mean, there's food, of yeah, course. food, and right. um, I actually mentioned it earlier, just right, right. out of out of place. But um, yeah, candles, um, music, right? And hey, like you know, why don't we go down to the swings at, at our right. tree settings? And, yeah, yeah. So change the setting and just give them a little bit of choice in that way too. And then whatever subject it is, actually, it doesn't have to be for reading, but just. Give them some freedom, some right. liberty. Right. And then to continue with that, if you're assigning reading, don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> if you want to encourage them to read, let them choose the reading. Yeah. You know, so utilize that library. If you don't have a big home library, utilize the public library. I mean, think of it for ourselves. When right. we were in college, I was assigned some really amazing books right. to read. But because I was assigned them, it was work. Yes. But if I if I had been told go find five, I took a, a class about Jews in the Third Reich. Right. Super interesting topic. Yep. Yeah. So, but um, and he assigned really good books. But sure. If I had been told go find five books you really want to read about this, right? 
I could have I could have done um, the hiding place. Exactly. I could have done books that I'm still wanting to read now. Right. And been even more intrigued and and the learning would have impacted me exactly. more. Um, because I got to pursue something I wanted to read. Exactly. Being assigned. Yes. I remember reading Death of a Salesman in oh, college literature. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of me is glad that I did, but now even in my mind I'm like what was that one again? Well, I've heard suggestions that you could, you can also say to your kid, like you have 20 books there for them to choose from and they right. need to choose five or they need to choose eight or however many, depending on sure. their level and age that they need to read this year. They can read it whenever they want, right. how fast they want, how slow they want right. and all in one month or throughout the year. Right. But you just say, you need to choose from this list because right. you know, um, that's a, uh, good uh, right. list to choose from. And that's kind of what I do with my daughter. So we, I have really um, stepped up our game with the um, young readers, like classic type books, you know, so um, I can't name them all off the top of my head. Bridge to Terabithia, like those types of, of books because she's in third grade. And so I have a whole bunch of them on our bookshelf, but I'm not going to assign them, but they're always there. And then... Um, some of them are now incorporated into our coop groups and or our book club for this school year. Yeah, our monthly. And so that's helpful, you know. So now we'll read them as part of that. And then um, she and I did discuss when she's between series. I do want her to choose one from the shelf. Oh, cool! And so she'll get to choose one from the shelf. Um, but this girl, in the course of three weeks, is on book twelve of Wings of Fire, a book. A, about dragons. Oh, okay. So she's reading. She's reading oh, like insane yeah. reading, you know, and then when she was on the wait list for that, she was rereading Little Women and I was like, really? You know, but that's the joy of not having anything that's overly assigned is right. that she's, she can cross genres and she can mix mm-hmm. different books. She can try one and put it down and try a different one. You know, she has the freedom to find stuff that she feels really passionate about. And then she's willing to try other books. Right. She doesn't feel closed off to trying them because it's been bust after bust. You know, she reads a great series and is, is on a high from reading. And so she's willing to try something else. She, right. she now knows that she can't judge a book by its title or its cover. You know, she yeah, knows that awesome. she has to pick it up and yeah. check it out. And I love that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> me too. So, yeah. um, you know, in your house or from the library, keep chapter books. Even if you think that they're too young for chapter books, find something that inspires them. Keep mm-hmm. the picture books around. If you think that your child is too old for picture books, they're probably not. Well, and like for us to assign reading, um, we do it as a read aloud. Right. And since the spouse does it, they're super intrigued and he yeah, picks special books time. he's vetted and is excited about. And so that's special time. Right. And he does it by the pond and he'll do yeah. it, you know. He was um, out there the when I pulled in. He was, was he out reading? there reading to them. Oh, he was? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I think yeah. they were riding bikes or something. Well, they kind of were, but I thought he had a book out. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's probably reading aloud, letting them just do go it. about their what they want. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be all the way in their room, and he'll be like, can you hear me? And they're like, yeah, I'm just playing. But they can hear him. And right. and, um, and so that's kind of how we get... Uh, that you know, that's how we did the, the assigned reading. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Alice in Wonderland will be next, right? And uh, for our Coop Group book club, and he had, um, and he had started it, but I said, wait, we're doing it for book right. club. Just so, wait. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so that's another way. And then you mentioned a way that uh, your daughter did um, Harry Potter. Oh yeah, so we love. Um, 
the narrated Harry Potter, the audiobook. The narration is uh, awesome. Jim Dale, he does all the voices, and I know your husband did too, but we don't have your husband in our house, so uh, Jim Dale was a great replacement. Um, so um, she, I had the illustrated copies of Harry Potter, and so she would read along as Jim Dale was reading to us in the car, at home, wherever. And so for her, I, we read Harry Potter, I think that was... Last, last year. year. Yeah. So like right she around was, time. yeah, so she was seven and a half. And so that was such great reinforcement for her reading because the vocabulary level in Harry Potter is higher than right. a seven year old. Well, and even just how they spell Hermione. Right. You know, you wouldn't know that's how they spelled it. And then if right. you weren't lis- listening to it and reading it, you wouldn't know how to pronounce that. Exactly. So the, the, the two in one is a really great way right. to build their ear for sounds and sounding out words and exactly all that. Yep. So we loved that approach and it was great for her. And then I knew confidently that she could go pick up her copy of Harry Potter and now read it mm-hmm. and read it in a way where she'll enjoy it. Yeah. You know? And they just learn cadence. They learn pausing yeah. after the period. Yeah. They, they learn all of that from right. the audiobooks or a read aloud, whether it's a, a person or an audiobook, however you do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about comic books, graphic novels, joke books. Don't discount those. Oh, totally. If they're yeah. interested in them and they want to read them, go for it. Yeah. And then I even threw reference books in there because once upon a time, my child was a dinosaur child. And so she loved these big, giant reference books about dinosaurs. And she would just make up her own facts. Yeah. But the fact that she was looking and knew that this category, you know, said something specific. You know, she was just being able to kind of diagram these things. Well, yeah, my six-year-old was looking at our animals book in right. my bed and comes and and brings the owl. You know, it's late at night, and she brings right. me the owl page. And look at the owls. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, and uh, she doesn't even know how to read, but she's in yeah. the reference books and exactly. enjoying that. And that's yeah. all part of the pre-reading yeah. experience, the literacy experience. Yep. Absolutely. So we mentioned read-alouds, but we really can't stress enough the benefit of read-alouds. So John Holt gives this advice in How Children Learn. He says, Since we will probably be asked to read aloud any book that we get for a child, we would do well to make sure that we like them. In 1983, he added this to the text. I mean, like them enough so that we will be glad to read them, not once or twice, but many times. And I have to say, that is 100% true. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, my two-and-a-half-year-old will ask me to read a book on loop. Yeah. And so I tell him I will read it three times, you know, and that's my max. Yeah, before we all have them. our limits. Right, that's my limit. <laughs> and so I can only read Fox and Socks three times. Oh, my word. <laughs> and then I'm like, please pick a different book. And then, you know, inevitably he'll pick another tongue twister. And I'm like, yeah, we had like go, car, go. Right. And then like, yeah. One fish, two fish. fish yeah. <laughs> but they're fun and they're magical. Oh, yeah. Fox and, and Socks is it. fun. It's like, it that's fun. Right short. Foot. Yeah. yeah. It's short. And yeah. so um, John Holt also cautions this. If parents read aloud to children only so that children will learn to read, the whole thing will be spoiled. The only good reason for reading aloud is the joy of sharing with children a story you love. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to set your intention. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to read aloud to them because you want them to love reading, Mm -hmm. not because you want them to read. Right. I think that's a good distinction. And, uh, don't bring books into your home, even if they're gifted to you or handed down to you. Right. That you do not want to read over and over no. again. Like the cat went down the hill and saw right. water. 
Do you, you know, want to read that out Is loud? that fun to read over and no. over again? No. So make sh- like books should bring you joy, bring your child joy. Right. And uh, I get excited to read The Day the Crayons Quit. Right. Crayons Quit. The Day the Crayons Quit. <laughs> yeah. I get excited to read that over and over again. It's fun. My new favorite is one that... Sophia had picked from the library when she was five, but I had remembered it because I loved it, and then I intentionally got it for Augie, and it's um, Skippy John Jones. Oh, Skippy John Jones. Oh, my word. So I love doing the Spanish accent yeah. in a muy, muy soft voice, <laughs> and I'll say all the things, and it's my favorite. Yeah, and they so, sell those yeah. in packets at Costco. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. It's different for everybody, right. and if your kid can hear the joy in you, so I think the reason the kids love so much learning from Marcus or reading, hearing him read and stuff, my, my husband, is because he enjoys it. Like that's a way he sees him spending quality time with his kids. And for somebody else, it could be like discussing a documentary they're watching or whatever. But for Marcus, it's, it's reading aloud to them. And so, um, uh, so that, that totally works for me. Right. I love that. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and so here's the thing. If you don't like to read aloud, that's okay. Utilize audiobooks. Oh, totally. Yeah. For sure. It's Utilize tiring. audiobooks. It's I tiring. don't like it. Yeah. It's tiring to read yeah. aloud. I don't yeah. mind some of the shorter children's books, Skippy John Jones. That's fine. But I learned when we were going through Raw Doll with mm-hmm. my oldest that um, I did not like sitting there reading, but we wanted to keep going. We wanted yeah. to read the story because it was good, but I was like, I can't read three chapters in a row. Yeah. You know, but I didn't want to put it off when we were excited. Right. And so I and realized. And you had a party to come to at our house. I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, n- yeah, not that one. We knew that one. It okay. was a BFG I was oh, thinking of because oh. I could like pronouncing all that things mar- too. The spouse had a hard time with that book. Right. I don't think they finished it. And oh, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing. We, they watched the movie and said. Sure. Yeah. But, Which is also really good. I like that one. But I think Marcus could feel he wasn't interested in it, and the yeah. kids ended up not being right. interested in it. And, and then, that's how I felt. Yeah. yeah. And then I was listening to something, not to, I was listening to a professor speak about um, what he teaches about reading as well, and he was saying, if you don't like a book, don't finish it. Exactly. Like, Why there's so many books yeah, out there. Don't force it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's very important for us to remember for our children, too. Yeah. Although you I know. do want to finish The Silver Chair and get on to the other books. Let me just well, say. that series is definitely worth finishing. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend it. But get yeah. the audio. Yeah. And well, you guys we need were. to listen. We were oh, yeah, you are. Yeah. 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 But we, I think that we had just run out of steam because it was like the fourth book we were doing for the Narn. Okay. Narn- or fifth book we were doing for the Narnia series. We just had two more after that. That one wasn't my favorite. Some people love that that particular book, but Mm -hmm. that one wasn't my favorite, actually. But anyway, um, yeah, so utilize audiobooks. You can get an Audible account. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But the library is such a great resource because especially with COVID right now, you can check things out from your phone. Oh, yeah. We were spending so much money on um, Audible, like all the Little House on the Prairie books and stuff. Right. But then when you told us about the library that you can check them out, that's how we do all the audiobooks. No late fees. They just take it away. They remove it from your device. And so there's no late fees. You can decide if you want it for seven days or 21 days. You get on wait lists if they don't have that book. It's incredible. Yeah. And here's the thing. We were... um, we hooked it up to our, our car, yep. and on the way to, um, where were we going? Oh, my parents' house yep. last weekend. We um, listened to a book called Poppy. Nice. 
And it's super cute. It's a total Charlotte Mason book, and Aww. you learn all about porcupines and mice and Aww. owls and everything, and it's this precious story. And then we listen to it on the way back, and um, it's a total of four hours and almost finished it. Nice. And that was just driving to someone's yeah, house, no you know? Deal. Yeah. 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 So I can't understate how much um, read aloud and audiobooks just go so far to instilling a joy of reading. So if your child doesn't like reading, maybe there's something there that's just not interesting to them. You know, do mm-hmm. they have a love of trains? Yeah. See how you can use that into, right. you know, that's why we did boxcar children. Right. Right. Yeah. Find and a way to get really into it. it. Yeah. Um, we already talked about making a beautiful setting, right? Yeah. So you need to encourage your reluctant reader to go read, make a crazy book net book nook. Book make nook. a book nook. Make um, a tent. Yeah, so cute. Get a cute little indoor teepee for the kids. Oh yeah, and, my kids really want one of those. And, yeah, you know, or um, you know, get the book light so that they can read yeah. in bed. I know you extend bedtime if they're reading. Oh yeah, they'll they can stay right. up as late as they want if they're reading. Right. Yeah, I did have to limit mine after my daughter did that, and I checked on her at eleven thirty. Okay, and yeah, she was mine won't do that long. So. Yeah, but my yeah, and my I daughter will probably put herself to bed at least by ten right. at the latest. Yeah. But we used to tell her you can read as late as you want. Yeah. If you're reading you can stay up late yeah. thinking of course you'll pass out by totally. 10 I mean reading yeah. puts me to sleep within five minutes I know <laughs> no no not her she I mean and I'm talking like reading with the flashlight reading sometimes the audio and sometimes she'll put herself to sleep but usually I have to set a timer and go down there and tell her okay now you do have to go to sleep but you know that was just it's really neat to see that mm-hmm. happen you know and so encourage your kids find a way to make it a novelty to read and see if that doesn't inspire them. Yeah. You know, and then if they still don't like reading, that's okay. Eventually, there's going to be something that they're so interested in that they're going to become proficient readers or that they're going to want to read about, whether it's computer programming mm-hmm. or their video game blog. Oh, I don't totally. know. Yeah. You know, there's just so much out there. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they don't like conventional, you know, reading books. Yeah. Who knows? But, you know, Feel them out. Get yeah. to know your kid and see if there's yeah. something. And don't stick with the curriculum if it's asking you to assign reading that's not of your kid's interests. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so then finally, we just wanted to end with talking about um, being aware of a real learning challenge. And so there's a lot of research that say it, says that a lot of um, diagnosed learning disabilities are often due to Um, things not being presented age appropriately. Hmm. So kids who might naturally be late readers being forced to read at five might be diagnosed with a learning disorder Hmm. because their brain is not set up to process it. They're not ready. They're not ready. That's, and so that's so much sense. Misdiagnosed as a learning disorder. So that's something to keep in mind. But of course, trust your gut, trust your instincts. If you feel like there's something going on, only you can be the one to really see that and help start the intervention process. Mm-hmm. You know, if there is something going on, you can go talk to the right people to help you with that. And then you have to figure out what the route is. And mm-hmm. then even so, I think more than anything, we still just highly suggest research, 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 research. You have to do the work. You Mm -hmm. can't just have everything handed to you. Like if you're homeschooling, you've now taken on what the teachers do and the teachers do more than just 
hand off a worksheet or read through a curriculum. They've actually spent time in it. They have experience teaching it to kids. And you're taking over that role if you've just brought them home. And you've got to think of, oh, yeah, now I have work to do, too. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and so even for unschoolers, you know, I think the common misperception is that a lot of the parents don't do anything and that it completely is untrue for most unschoolers, right. maybe. Um, but I have done so much research. I'm so prepared to be able to teach about any topic that might come up. And I'm not even a traditional unschooler. Yeah. You know, right. right. Um, you know, I, I also is? have curriculum. Right, right. What fits in that box? But the idea is that, you know, we are the ones who want to educate our children. And so we need to become our own type of expert. And so we know our kids best. I know what my kid's going to want to be studying it in the near future at least. Mm-hmm. And so how can I be prepared for that? How can I be one step ahead to help foster that? So do you have a sore throat now from all this talking we've been no. doing? <laughs> I could go all we night just, about we, reading. Yeah. And what what we the reason we're talking so much about this is because time and time again this seems to be one of yeah. the biggest struggles in homeschooling and in any kind of schooling actually. Yep. And so it deserves a lot of attention and it deserves a lot of discussion and it, and you deserve to be released from the pressure. And so Absolutely. that, that was a big part of our mission in talking about this is to yep. release all of us from the confines of, um, of what's the C word again? <laughs> Convention. Convention. The confines of convention. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, that's our um, reading challenges. Yeah, that was um, another big one. Over, <laughs> over an hour there. Happy reading. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll get to our scoops and make them quick. Our joys. Yes. Our joys. Yeah. Yes. Joys. Well, I'll just go real quick. Um, so, uh, my six-year-old turned six, and it brought me joy that we all went to my parents' house, and we all dressed. She, my mom wanted to do a Harry Potter theme because oh, she knew. Uh, well, my daughter wanted it too, but right. she knew my daughter would love that. So she bought costumes. We all dressed up in costume. We had a Harry Potter day with so my parents, cute. with my sister and my nephew, and it was just that brought me joy. To it's it's always fun to share a theme day yeah. or a, a costume party and to do it in honor of my daughter. It was really yeah. brought me it's joy. Really sweet. I know because normally you're the one who organizes. Yeah, so it's just nice to to come and and she had bought all the stuff for the goodie bags and bought the plates and the napkins and right. yeah, that's where you get it from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so my joy was actually a reading related one. Uh, my little guy August, he's two and a half, and I caught him today on the couch all by himself. I was in a different room preparing for this, and um, he I heard him reading. Well, Aww. I heard him reading, yeah, yeah. you know, and he, uh, he has his train book, Freight Train. It's so cute. And he's reading the correct things on the correct pages. And so all of this goes to say, he's not reading, he's memorizing, but yeah. he thinks he's reading. Yeah. And that's so awesome. Like, yeah. he knows what to say and what to point to because yeah. that's what I've done right. when I read it three times in a row for him yeah. every day. Yeah. Well, that's all the pre-reading. Right. Exactly. The pre-reading exercises, and yeah. Again, more than anything in the world, I just love that he has a joy to watch. Want to read? Yeah, and I don't know what that'll look like in a few years. Right, but right now he wants to sit on the couch and read. He sees his sister reading all the time. He sees me in and out of books and reading, and so I just love that. It's yeah, a, a lot joy. of times the the subsequent children, yeah, they just know this is status quo. Right. This, is and this is the way we're going. Yeah. yeah. So he was reading his books today. Yeah. Well, yeah. what a great way to end our our reading discussion. Exactly. So that's it. All right. Happy reading. Mm-hmm.